It's not. Pass that one to those ladies. Are you ready, yeah? يلا بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلوات الله وسلامه على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم أعنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك يا رب الكريم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Radio folks, so lots of stuff to say today. First of all, our apologies because the internet went down again. Um, but uh, Shazad, I don't even know if to say Shazad fixed yes. it or not. Is it technically correct to say Shazad fixed it? We, we, we worked a solution. We worked a solution. <laughs> very different to we fixed it. Well, now, it's very different to say we fixed the internet when we worked out a solution. Because you've got to ask what happened in the first place. Well, now that you ask, <laughs> Bobby J, Bobby J, Miskeen Bobby J, been under a lot of pressure recently and busy and year or whatever, whatnot. he needed a break. So he went to Turkey, okay. took Baji as well, okay. and he said, I'm going to do the whole Uthur thing. I said, Pictures already didn't happen, as you do. Lala Miskin, yani, trusting Bachara, he sent me those pictures. Utterly the funniest things you've ever seen in your entire life. And I said, thank you very much. That's going public tonight. So, soon as obviously we made the announcement on our little WhatsApp group, he started busting fatwas, isn't it? He said, it's haram, this, that, whatever. And obviously we laughed and laughed, but he's laughing hardest because the whole thing goes down. So now we're running around like headless chickens, you know, the whole system's down, we can't do anything. So I said to these boys, I said to them straight, I go, this is Bobby Nazardas from, from Turkey. <laughs> and I recorded the video to Bob's, I said, Bob's, we're not gonna lie, me and Shazad, we're gonna do this. We ask you to forgive us. And yani, you know, but seriously, you've, you've taken the whole system down. Everybody's waiting online. So he then wrote back, and said, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, I take it back, it's okay, no problem, whatever, whatnot. And so I working again. <laughs> I'm not even joking, bro. That is no messing about. Bobby J from the Oliya, I'm telling you. So Bobby J, all the way from Turkey. I think Shazad has a uh, a message to Bobby J. Yeah, from me. Yeah. Bob's enjoy yourself. All right. Okay. That's it. And don't do that again. And don't do what again? Put that picture on right now. It's on the flipping WhatsApp, you bando. And you are our technical guy who can't get. We just got the net for a Okay, okay, okay. Bobby J gonna mess around with me. He's gonna mess around with me. Does he even know who I am? That guy's gonna make that guy make toba. He tried to mess me about. No, I'm just saying. Every single one of them. The guy is saying you're trying to make it out of trying to threat. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> we don't. And if I show weakness now as a leader, I'm the leader here. Don't let's not forget that. And if I show weakness now, what's going to happen every week? People are going to say, "Well, you know, haram and put nazar upon the dars and hold all the the, the masses, the masses." May I add? Okay, all those people in Bengali Mosque in Edgware, wherever it is, where, where is it called? What's the what's the thesis? Edgware Mosque, yeah. Grand Mosque. Those Edgware Grand Mosque, the Bengalis, they were sitting there for their one hour lesson. By the way, you realize today is their greatest night of the year because this lesson is going to be finished in one hour. They better stay for one hour. I swear if they don't stay tonight, if they don't stay tonight, we knew that they were never sincere in the first place. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah? Right. This is the last lesson of academic year 333. Okay? And... Um, and uh, we restart like in about three, four months' time. <laughs> Sick, all right? And um, right, is there any other news? Yeah, uh, knee operation done. Knee's looking good, alhamdulillah. So that's good. What other news do we have? Any other news, folks? Do we have any, any news? No? All right. So, uh, in terms of tonight's lesson, what I would, would like to do is to fulfill two or complete the two aspects of the dua. He says, the author says, وَيَسْتَعِيذُ مِنْ عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمْ وَمِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبَرِ 
okay? And then he seeks refuge from the punishment of Jahannam and from the punishment of Al-Qabr, the grave. And we discussed, yani, for the last two lessons, a number of points to do with Jahannam, okay? And its punishment and its realities and so on and so forth. And we covered quite a bit of that last week, would you agree? And um, today, I believe that it would be correct that we are right at the very bottom of the commentary, one, 172, in which he puts the next issue forward, Al-Wajh Al-Rabi', the fourth issue that he wants to discuss. What are the, the first three? The first one is, is it, is it, هل هي موجودة الآن أو ليس موجودة? يعني is it موجود, not present, is it, um, okay, is it present? I'm sure there's a better word than present. I'm ready when you are. Right now, you're ready where, when I am. This is my Bobby J. <laughs> it's, it's not just about online. It's about this is Bobby J's manner. People need to see Bobby J. He's so happy right now. <coughs> I want to show you happiness. I want to show you the happiness that Lutz and Cam dreamed about. Yeah. <laughs> but were not able to achieve because Cam decided to lose all the passports. Yeah. Or was it Lutz? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry Lutz. Lutz, Lutz, Lutz not Cam. Allah, did you <laughs> see that? What, what, what was that? What, what, what happened? Oh, oh my, look at that. Allahu Akbar. Bobby J, you sick guy. You so happy. No, no, but uh, for me, it's all about the man bag. You know, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the market for one of those bad boys now, you know. I, I'm starting to see, no, is that, no, no. All right, then, okay. Look at that. Now, come on. Now, I thought he was getting married, but it looks like it's him and the horse. It looks like it's him and the horse is getting married. I don't know what's happening there. I don't mess with I'm sorry. I put the key, put the million. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Urtu, urtu, whatever how you say. Urtu, urtu, eat your heart out. Yes, Bobby J. You sick guy, Bobby J. Next time, don't ever mess with me. But Bobby J, you are a sick guy. Look at that. He's he's even wants to pull the sword out and this and that. Allah, this is happiness, man. This is This is happiness. I'm feel I feel happy now. You know, I feel Allah. My heart feels relaxed, happy, like murtah. This is what you're meant to do in a dars. Feel happy. Zakalahar Bobby J for this contribution to the lesson. And Zakmullah uh, Salim for manning up finally. And um, right, back to our point. Where did we get to? Yeah, this is. Yes. Uh, is it, does, it, does it exist now or not? Okay, so that was the first one. The second one is that is it temporary or is it permanent? Yeah, we discussed that in detail last week. And then the, the next one was Al Wajah is is punishment real or is it metaphorical? Does it actually have a reality? And we discussed that in detail. The next one today, which we're covering today. Are there two fires? Are there two? هل هناك ناران? One for the kuffar and one for the Ahl al-Tawheed is the nice way of describing it. The people of monotheism. The people who might make mistakes, but we're not talking about their mistakes. We're just talking about them as a category. Is there one for them? And the reason we do have to make a differentiation because they, even though they'll be punished in that, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will exit from that. That's our iman. So is there two? One where there's no exit from, and one where there is an exit from. And uh, Sheikh Uthameen, at the top of 173, he says, yes, some of the scholars did say that, that there are two, one for the kuffar and one for the, 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 sin, the sinful people from the believers, and that there is a difference between them. But I don't know of a single piece of the evidence to support that, and uh, neither from the Quran, neither from the Sunnah, and, uh, and whatever. The only thing that I know, and this is interesting, by the way, to learn from Sheikh Uthameen. You know, we, we do this darsan, we're studying humbly fiqh, and we're studying deen, and we're studying lots of different things, but we're also studying... Uh, 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 a very rare thing Which is to just listen to how a scholar speaks and thinks Someone forwarded me a video today Where they were very yani, emotionally affected By watching a video of Sheikh Uthameen uh, I mean, you know, it's rare to see him anyway But this is a color video of him uh, uh, It's on YouTube And uh, it's just showing him of the sunnah That 
those folks who come with me on Umrah know, and Hajj actually, but uh, uh, maybe I haven't shown you otherwise, and that's the Sunnah of uncovering your skin when it rains. Okay? So I've given a demonstration of that to those who have been out on a trip with, but when it rains, the Prophet ﷺ would uncover his skin and allow the water to touch his skin. Yani he would minimize that which is in between him and the rain because the rain is a mercy. Uh, and so, for example, anything that would be a head covering would come off and anything that yani, is a shirt, then that would yani, be coming off. No, his, his normal idea would be to unbutton the shirt and uncover the shoulder. This was yani, his way. And it just shows Sheikh Uthameen, he's uh, addressing some tulab and it suddenly starts to rain. And the first thing that he does is that he takes off his shamar his ghutra, I mean, you know, his uh, thing, yeah, the ghutra, the scarf thing, and his hat, and he unbuttons his shirt, allows the rain to fall on him. Uh, and people, obviously, it's important for us because these are living examples, and we watch what they do and see what they do, and we take that as an example. In this lesson, we're going to find something else, which you're going to see him speaking from himself like he is now. And when he speaks that second thing, you're not going to take it as serious as you are this one. And that shows how our bias gets in the way of what we observe from the scholars. So when Sheikh will start speaking, okay, in his own speaking, you know when a scholar is speaking, normally he's teaching. But then you, know, you can see sometimes they seamlessly speak now from a personal point of view, right? Then, uh, then it is important from an adab point of view to know that there's khair in what they say just because they are older and because they are wiser and because they are from the greatest of scholars in our time. Another example of this is recently... Uh, when it, you know, I always get asked by our Hajj and Umrah groups, can I wear the shoes in the uh, Tawaf and the Sa'i? Yani, you know, can I wear that? And I always tell them, you're not allowed to do that inside the Mataf. Even though, of course, um, it's allowed to wear anything on your shoes. There's nothing to do with, uh, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, outside the Kaaba was not yani, carpet or marble or anything. It was sand, right? And the Prophet ﷺ would go around the Kaaba on a camel. Let alone, let alone Sa'i. Sa'i is in between two hills, which is not even in the masjid. And even now, it's not technically the masjid where the mas'a is. That's why some of the scholars, by the way, like hardcore ones, they don't even allow you to pray in the mas'a, in the area where the, the Safa and Marwa is, because this, as I said, is not part of the masjid. This is an outside area, right? However, we consider it to be part of the masjid because it's connected and, we, and the, the crowds go out. And so that's okay. So technically, we get there anyway. But the point is, is that. Uh, I just want you to, you know, strengthen in your mind that this doesn't deserve logically the kind of take off your shoes respect that you may think. However, as you know, uh, or those who are with me know, I don't allow anyone to wear shoes in the mataf. Mataf is the forecourt, the courtyard of the masjid because you hurt people. Because people are very, very close and you, can, you step on people and it really hurts. Uh, but no problem on the first floor, the ground floor wider and the second floor on the roof, no problem at all. Uh, a, because there's so much space, B, because everybody's taking their wheelchairs around and all the people are wearing shoes anyway and the workers and the guards and it's like a done thing and therefore it's not a problem. And say, even more so because that's like out there and it's not the masjid and or whatever. And I was reading what Sheikh Uthameen was saying about this issue. And uh, actually, I, sorry, I, I, let me rephrase that. I was reading what his main student was saying about what Sheikh Uthameen said about this issue. His name is Sheikh Khalid al-Muslih. Sheikh Khalid al-Muslih is a, a nice scholar, nice young scholar, and he was one of the longest uh, studying students under Sheikh Uthameen. And he said that I was once with Sheikh Uthameen making a tawaf, and he would uh, never allow anyone to uh, do anything like that. But then when he come to Sa'i, he would also take off his shoes as well. And he would not let anyone else wear shoes either. I was with him, and we were in the Mas'a, and we came down from Safa, and he saw a man who was wearing shoes. And he said to him, it's better if you take those shoes off. Either he told him to take the shoes off, or he told him it's better that you take the shoes off. And uh, the man uh, said to him, uh, why, would I, why would I do that? Was, uh, sorry, what's your evidence for that? Okay, what's your evidence for that? And Sheikh Khalid, uh, he explains that, of course, this man did not know that it's Sheikh Muhammad bin Saleh, if they mean speaking to him who at that time when he would have said that was the mufti of the country, you know, like the most senior person in the country, right? Um, or, one, or one of them anyway. And so he goes, what's your evidence for that? And, and Sheikh Uthameen said to him that um, it's not that there's an evidence from the Kitab al-Sunnah, but you cause harm to people. You cause harm to people. And what he said is that you cause harm, psychological harm. 
So not harm of the physical, because in Isai, you're not going to hurt anyone. But it's the harm of, you know, that pack who looks at you and literally freaking out. You've harmed him, yani. you've disturbed him, you've given him tension. You get what I'm trying to say, yeah? And we all know that. You all know when someone stresses you out, when someone does something, yeah, and you kind of get angry. And now even, subhanAllah, that that might come from a non-evidence position, it might even come from an ignorance, a position of ignorance almost, yeah, anyway, there's no evidence for him to get upset. Yeah, and we're not there to cater for everybody and being happy, especially the ignorant. But his point is that he said that there are some scholars that consider, or some people that consider this to be a sacred area and to show yeah, and this kind of approach. And uh, the man, um, I think the story finished by the man taking his shoes off or something like that. Um, and, and, then, and then I think Sheikh Khalid said is that someone then turned to him, one of his students said, you realize that that was Sheikh Uthameen? He goes, Astaghfirullah, Wallahi, that if you had just said his name, I would have carried my shoes on my head whilst Yani, you know, before he'd even asked me. But it's obviously too late then. The point is, is that now how do we address this from an Islamic point of view? How do we understand this? I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that there is no evidence to not wear shoes, uh, especially in the Sa'i area. But Sheikh Uthameen has made such a statement, your best it would be done, yani, if you were standing there and you're trying to be thinking, what's the evidence? Yani, you'd take it off. At the same time, you need to know that Sheikh Uthameen, as far as I know, never used to wear his shoes in a graveyard. Sheikh Uthameen never used to wear his shoes going to the masjid. He was a no-shoes kind of guy. He had a great haber. Um, or? Or? A great sense of uh, respect. A sense of whatever, I can't yeah. think of the translation, the translation for the sacred and the steps of the sacred and anything that is involved in ibadah, he had this kind of, you know, respect. So, you know, for example, going to the masjid, the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith that every footstep that taken to the masjid and has ajar and, 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 and. So anywhere where the footstep is mentioned, it's almost like he takes it in a very literal kind of way. So, at the, so on one hand, we do actually have the Sheikh uh, I mean, I don't say extreme, but biased in this area. That's his normal way. And I don't think that we should be taking his personal position as the, as the sunnah for us. But I do think his statement should be listened to and we should respect what he says. And if we were with him, we would take the shoes off out of respect of who we are with, more so than the fact that his opinion is like that. Why do I mention all of this? Is because in the next few minutes, hopefully if I do get to it, there are two uh, places in which he gives his own personal position and it's interesting how he speaks the first one is here and is very disguised he, here as I said and I'm kind of translating literally he goes I don't know of any I don't know of he didn't say there isn't that's a big difference I don't know of any evidence which would suggest that it's clear that there isn't a clear evidence that would negate this and he's showing his own limitations and he wants to make it clear that this is his own statement he goes, I don't know of any evidence, not from the Qur'an or from the Sunnah. And, and as for that which I know, see again, he's leaving, the, he's leaving the, the field open for someone to come with hadith, someone to prove him wrong. As for that which I know, then I only know that the, the fire is, is one and that the, it doesn't matter about the punishment that occurs inside. And... And there's no doubt that the believers in there will not be punished the same as the kuffar, but I don't know of any reason why there needs to be two fires. And uh, this, and then I'm continuing now with, with what he says now. He goes, this need to try and divide it into different, uh, 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 different sections, uh, there's no basis for that, okay? Uh, especially because number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ala kulli shayin qadir, Allah is able to do all things, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is able to make a, a fire in which one person is completely safe and another person is being punished. Why do we yani, doubt that? Secondly, he says, You never, you, you, it's not allowed to make an analogy uh, uh, from the dunya for the akhirah. So it's not like we look at the fire now and think, how can two people enter and they one is survived, one isn't. Uh, we don't use that for the akhirah. Everything from the akhirah and from the umur, the umur al-ghayb is is yani, there's no sheikh says there's no absolutely no um comparison he goes don't we all believe that on the final day that the that the sun will be brought closer to us yani, to a level of the, the 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 height of a spear and the distance in the hadith says a mile a mile does not mean 1.66 kilometers but it's a rough distance yeah and the hadith does say that that it will be brought forward a mile a mile 
and he goes how is that how are we going to understand this hadith if you're if, if you have a problem with saying that the fire must be two fires then you should have a priori a bigger problem with this hadith because if the sun was to move even one mile from its current billion miles away we'd all burn okay so how are we not melting if the sun is a mile away which shows that the power of the sun on the final day is nothing like the power of the sun today then he says, and what about on, in the same hadith, when that sun is brought that close, the people will, will uh, sweat. And how will the people sweat? Yani, like we see it today, when we see people sweat a lot, they get soaked. But do we see sweat where it starts to flood you, where it goes to your ankles, where it goes to your knees, where it goes to your hips, where it goes to your shoulders. And then when you cannot breathe because it is, you're struggling to put your head above water, as the hadith states. He says, how is it that we understand light? In this, in, this light, in this life, if you are standing next to someone in pitch darkness and they put on a flashlight, then you are completely guided by them. It is sufficient, their light, for you to be guided. However, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there will be people in one area, Al-Mu'minun lahum nurun yas'a aydihim wa bi'aymanihim, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that the believers will walk and they will be bathed in light. Light will yani, bathe their in front and their left and their right. Whereas at the kuffar, they will be in zalama, and they will be next to you, they will be close to you, and in utter darkness. How is it possible that in the day of their judgment, they are so close to complete contradiction, uh, contrasting realities, whereas today, it's not possible for two people to be even in the same room, and you're not guided by their light, let alone someone standing, and one can't see anything, and the other one can see everything. So, there is no qiyas to be made between this dunya and the akhirah at all, at all. So, there is only one fire, and Allah knows best. Um, the fifth, Al-Wajh Al-Khamis, um, This is an interesting one. Where is it? Where is the fire? Um, and this is difficult to be honest, okay? I, I, I want to say that actually all of these questions are in question. Why? Because by virtue of the fact that they are matters of the unseen. Even from the Quran and Sunnah when you have evidences, all of them can be interpreted. And, and you know what? Because they're from the unseen, you're given a little bit of leeway. Because you're not meant to know the absolute intrinsic realities and details of the unseen. And that's why it's the unseen. So, where is it? Uh, anyone want to have a shout? Ideas? Theories? Anyone read anything on this before? Studied anything before? The center of the earth, yeah. yeah, and some of the scholars likewise. The Christians said that, and the Muslims said that too. Anywhere other than Anfield, <laughs> we used to call Hull whenever we used to go to Hull. Custom, we used to say that's Hellfire right there. <laughs> what a curse it used to be to go to Hull. I hope there's no Muslims in Hull there and listening to this miserable place. And then Custom, is there, yeah, come on, Hull right here. I don't know, there's some Muslims in the Quran, no doubt. <laughs> Anyone? So, I mean, obviously it's going to be either earth, heavens, or, or sky, heavens, whatever, or center of the earth. And those are the main opinions. Sheikh Uthameen says that, that it is on the earth. He says, fil ard. Fil ard. But you know the word fi, okay, as people who study aqidah will know that the word fi uh, means different things. Fi, of course, means in. But fi, you don't mean in the earth unless he is indicating it means inside the earth. When he says fi, fil ard, he means on earth. And on earth could be underground, by the way, in the generality of that phrase. But he's saying it's on earth. Okay? So this is what we're going to go through now. All right? So first of all, he goes, it's on earth. But some of the scholars said that it's in the oceans. Okay? The evidence for that is, is well, for me, it's clear. Because the Prophet ﷺ in Sahih Muslim said that the Arsh of Iblis is on, is in the ocean. The throne of the head shaitan is in the ocean. And of course, every single morning he holds court there. And all of the shayateen, the demons come to him and they present their sins to him. So this could be an indication if he is the prince of darkness and the, the leader of the hellfire. And he's in the hellfire, then maybe maybe that's their, their argument. وَقَالَ آخَرُونَ And others said that no, it's in the batin al-ard, the core of the uh, earth. As for what seems apparent to me, and again you can see that, that humility and that level of uncertainty, 
أنها في الأرض ولكن لا ندري أين هي من الأرض على وجه على وجه تعيين. For me, it's on Earth, but we have no idea exactly where it is. Okay, we have no idea exactly what it is. The evidence, he says. Allah subhanahu wa taala says, كلا إن كتاب الفجار لفي سجين. That no, verily, the book of the uh, of the criminals will be in a sijin or the sijin. Now, sijin, all right, has a couple of points. First of all, the word itself in Arabic indicates a lowness, okay, not a highness, all right. Secondly, the word sijin comes from the concept of the sijin, the prison, and that is, of course, where criminals go, and that is their end. And that's from a linguistic point of view. Third, according to the scholars, Sijin is a form of the hellfire or another name for the hellfire. Um, and so therefore, this ayah is referring to the hellfire. So that's the first part of developing the argument. So we know that the kuffar, their end, their evidence, their consequence, their final destination is going to be in Sijin. And he says, وَالسِّجِينَ uh, الْأَرْضِ sufla كَمَا جَاءَ فِي الْحَدِيثِ بَرَاءِ بِنَ عَازِبِ when you think there's a very famous hadith, of course, when you study the, 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 the fiqh of the akhirah or aqidah of the akhirah, the hadith al-bara ibn Azib radiallahu anhu is the, probably the most famous of hadith because it describes the journey of the soul. You heard of that concept? Yeah. People have probably read a book on it or seen a lecture on it by some of their speakers, you know, about what happens to the soul when it passes and so on and so forth. So you remember, and I'm not going to go into this now, that when a person passes, then if it's a good soul, it comes out very smooth. And if it's horrible, then it comes out like, and it's being grated out. And then it gets rough handled. And either if it's going up, you know, that whole, the whole narrative. And that would happen, of course, to every single person when they pass. What happens to the kafir, to the mujrim, to the fajr? Bara, in his hadith, he says, means the last moments. At the last second, when the soul is taken from the kuffar, that the... That the heaven, the gates of the of the heavens will not be opened for them. Now, sama, okay, is not Jannah. When I say heavens, I'm just using that old English term. Okay, when we say the heavens, we mean the heavens, sky, yeah, or up. Okay, and even up is a wrong term, frankly, but you get what I'm saying. So when we say heaven, we don't mean paradise. We mean up, skies around us. So the this, the, this, the skies of the heaven, the, this, the, the, the gates of heaven, or the gates of the heavens, heavens I should say, are not opened for the usa, the uh, fujar. Okay, they are not open for the kafirin. Allah subhanahu wa taala will say in that hadith as narrated by Imam Ahmed, uh, uh, and it is sahih, uh, um, and uh, the and also is narrated by Imam Abu Dawood in the book of the Sunnah. You see, this is nice. You see, this is the benefit of, of looking at resources. You see, different scholars put these hadith in different places, right? This is a hadith ultimately talking about the journey of the soul. But the scholars, they put it under the book of the sunnah. And that indicates that the word sunnah means aqidah. That's why when we talk about ahl sunnah, we mean the people of the sound aqidah, right? People who believe in the akhirah like we should. People who believe in the ghayb as we should. Anyway, uh, in, the book, in the book of the sunnah, in the chapter of... Uh, the questioning in the grave المسألة في القبر وعذاب القبر The questioning of the grave and the punishment of the grave Hadith number 4753 Hadith is Sahih uh, uh, the, the Prophet said that So as he tries to kind of you know go up and be you know to be given that reception by the angels okay that's his hope Right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell the angels, close the doors of the heavens, okay, and write for him his record in Sijin in the lowest part of the earth, okay, fil uh, sufla, in the low, in the in, uh, on earth, down on earth, you can even say, returning back to earth. So he's returned back to earth and he and Sijin is in earth as well, according to this hadith in, in its textual uh, context. Sheikh Uthameen says that if this fire was in the sky or in a different place or somewhere else, then the, the heavens would have, uh, the door of the skies would have opened for him to enter. Again, I remind you that when we say the door of the heavens, we're not talking about a positive thing. 
because you're thinking door of the heavens means Jannah. That doesn't mean that. Door of the heavens means access to another dimension, which could also be bad or good. That's our point that we're making. So Sheikh Uthameen says, the Prophet ﷺ definitely saw the people being punished. So if he saw the people being punished in the hellfire and the doors were not open to them to allow it to happen in the skies, it cannot be in the skies. You get the point? It cannot be somewhere else. And we have the text which is indicating it's happening on the earth. So therefore, even though he accepts, it's not the most direct and clear evidences, but that's what it says. Yani, so it's happening on the earth and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Uh, some of them said, uh, so, 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 uh, Sheikh Uthameen, he makes a point. It's a, it's a, it's a, a nothing point, frankly. He goes, some students found it a real problem. How is it, yeah, how is it that the Prophet saw it and it wasn't in the sky? Which is nonsense. Yeah, I mean, the Prophet was shown yeah, all these things on that journey of Al-Mi'raj he's talking about. Yeah, the, 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 the Sheikh Uthameen. And it doesn't mean that he needs to see it there and then. Yeah, and whilst he's in the, uh, the it, it doesn't have to be exactly where he is that's, that's being represented and Sheikh says just like you're in a plane and you can see all the things that are happening below it doesn't mean that you know it's happening in the heavens you can still see below what about then the matters of the akhirah um, so yeah so he goes that that's what we think uh, and, and I'm going to translate this literally now okay because he says something interesting he goes for uh, the conclusion for me is that the fire is on the earth and there are a number of ahadith have been narrated about this but however all of them are weak a number of hadith have been narrated about it. This is meanings by that, that specific hadith, like, you know, it's here, it's there, it's here. All of these are weak. And it has been uh, narrated from the companions, a number of athar um, that is on the earth. And certainly it seems to be the apparent meaning of the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Okay, those people who deny and belie our signs and are stubborn from them, their heavens, the doors of the heavens will not be opened for them. And they will not enter paradise until the uh, the, the camel goes through the eye of the needle. So it's Al-A'raf verse 40. So that's that. Okay, any questions on that? So yes, however, the had so so this is why he did it in parts. He first wanted to make us clear what sijin is, and then show it in the hadith that that is where it will be. That's where the kuffar will be told to go and thrown. That it will be in the lowest part of the earth. That's the that's the benefit of the hadith that follows the ayah. To show that the Sijin is in a Sufl al-Ard, in the lowest part of the earth. The next point, Al-Wajh al-Sadis, is its names. Ma asma'uha. What are its names? And we can go through that quickly. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named the hellfire Al-Jahim, Jahannam, Lada, okay, Lada, Al-Sa'ir, and uh, a few others as well. These are the most narrated in the Quran and the Sunnah. And Sheikh Uthameen says anything which is authentically narrated for the hellfire is an authentic name. He then says, by the way, are we saying uh, 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 seek refuge from the punishment of the hellfire? Min jahannam. Do we seek refuge from Jahannam itself or from the actions that lead to Jahannam? Is it yani, an abstract reality which is independent of what causes that, uh, that, that consequence? And the answer, of course, is that we're asking for refuge from both. From the actions that lead to it and also the place itself. Okay? Uh, the place itself. So, uh, and a protection from sin. And Sheikh Uthameen makes a nice point at the end. He goes, when we ask for al-isma, isma means protection. Yeah? And... Uh, 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 isma, protection, is the same as, you know, when we say ma'asum. Ma'asum in Arabic, you know, we say in uh, Urdu, we say, ma, uh, what do we say? Ma'asum? Ma'asum, yeah. So uh, uh, it means innocent, right? Child is ma'asum, right? It means basically, when we say the child is ma'asum, innocent, by that we mean that they're completely protected from sin. That's what it means, yeah? So when we say we ask for isma, for protection, does it mean that we will therefore not sin? No, it does not mean that. Uh, 
because the Prophet sallallahu said kullu bani adam khata wa khairul khata'in at-tawwabun that all of human beings they sin but the best of the sinners are those people who turn back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Prophet that hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed and Al-Tirmidhi 2499 hadith sahih and the Prophet sallallahu said and I think it's nice that he mentions this now especially as we enter into Ramadan and he said that the Prophet sallallahu said law lam tudhnibu uh, if you are not to sin then Allah would have removed you and he would have brought a new people that would sin and they would seek forgiveness from him and Allah would forgive them so to sin is in our nature but the real test is whether we seek forgiveness from him for that that we're aware of our sin hadith narrated by Muslim in the chapter of Tawbah in the in the book of Tawbah on the chapter the removal of sin via istighfar and Tawbah Hadith number 9 and hadith number 2749. Alright. That's what we have for the hellfire. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection from it. Allahumma ameen. Wamin adab al qabr. And then from the punishment of the grave. The grave. Um, what does it mean? What does qabr mean? Qabr means the place where you are buried, uh, where the dead person is buried. Actually, it's interesting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأَقَبَرَ yeah? This uh, ayah which we all know, okay, Surah Abasa verse 21, If you translate it, it translates as, how would you translate it? Literally. No. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we killed him. Yeah, and we took, we, we caused him to die, and then for Akabara, we graved him. That's yeah, the literal translation. We graved him, right? And uh, this, of course, uh, is uh, the reason I mention this point is because when you study uh, Quran and its tafsir, especially, you'll often find that a word is used by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to basically save space, to save on the necessary components that happen uh, before it, and just mention the final kind of part. So when Allah says, as Ibn, as Ibn Abbas said, Ibn Abbas said, A, a akramahu bidafni. Yani when Allah said, fa'aqabara, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ibn Abbas said that what Allah means is that Allah honored the uh, human beings by commanding for them to be buried. So the translation actually is that he graved him, but its meaning is that Allah yani, allowed him to be buried. So, you know, in this, this whole verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing his power, but also his honor to mankind. Yani, Allah takes him back and allows him to be given the honor of a burial as well. Now that's important because does adab al-qabr, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min adab al-qabr, Allah, I seek refuge with you from the punishment of the grave. Does it mean from the grave? Does it mean the punishment of the grave? Or does it mean a third thing? And what is that third thing? Think logically. Why? But that is what's in the grave. That's the punishment of the grave, surely. No, not quite. Just laterally, think outside the box. It's obvious, actually. He might not get buried. He might get disintegrated. He might get burnt. He might get uh, thingy. You know what I'm saying? So Islam's right. I just want to know why you were right. Yeah. So it, it, the, uh, the, uh, the correct answer is that when, you see, when we seek punishment, when we seek a protection from the punishment of the grave, what we're actually seeking is protection from the punishment of the barzakh. Now the barzakh, if you're not aware what the word barzakh means, barzakh is the in-between period. It's just the easiest way to translate it. It's the in-between period between life and resurrection. And it is described as death. Okay? but it's another form of life, which is from a legal point of view, death, but it's not complete death, death, death from a holistic point of view, because you're moving into a different kind of state. This is a temporal state. 
it's a state where again the hadith that you've all studied and you've all watched your lectures and stuff like that you know this is obviously a very kind of you know interesting area if muslims a lot of muslims read this kind of stuff alongside the jazz stuff and wedding stuff and god knows what this is one of the big areas right so you will know that your barzakh is the in-between period upon which the believers are in their graves and they receive a garden from the gardens of paradise and the sinners they receive a punishment of the hellfire in there in that period and it lasts a ridiculous amount of time at least the amount of time it takes until the Yom Al-Qiyamah which for the Kuffar will seem elongated so it will made to feel like longer and for the believers it will made to go very very quick so there's lots of bonuses and lots of things happening in this state and the state itself also has things which we can see and can't see and can realize and can't realize so um, yeah وَإِنْ لَمْ يُدْفَنْ So if a person is not يعني, buried, then, you know, this is... Uh, uh, so yeah, we have no idea whether we're going to die. We have no idea whether we're going to be uh, buried or not. We don't know whether we're going to be eaten by animals or whether they're going to be burnt beyond rec- uh, recognition. And no soul knows which land it will die in. Surah Luqman, verse 34. So when we say that, we are talking... Uh, uh, we are seeking refuge from the punishment of everything that will happen to insan after his death until the establishment of the hour. Okay? Uh, if you want to actually read the ayat from a book of tafsir, and I would advise that, especially of course with the Ramadan coming up, if you read Ibn Kathir, then Surah Al Mu'minun, verse 100, this is the ayah. Until, uh, until that moment, until one, uh, the, uh, death faces one of them, and he says, Oh Allah, send me back. Perhaps I will be able to now go and do some good deeds. No way. That no, it's a word that has been said. And, and, uh, and what's in lying in front of them is a barzakh, an in-between period, until the day that they will be resurrected. So that's all Surah Al-Mu'minun, okay, 99 to 100. So you can check that out. All right, folks? So that's the barzakh. This is now a bit difficult, okay? And I wonder whether we can do this in time, inshallah, but let's see. Um, The first question to ask is that, who says there is even a punishment of the grave? All right? And the very fact that this question is even being asked is an admission from Ahlul Sunnah that there is a question about it. Not about the certainty of it, but that it was a question. Because obviously everybody who's been through the da'wah, been through the 80s, 90s, and even now, say maybe the 2000s, will have come across his Tahrir and this group of people, you know, who, who brought up the question to us in our uni that, you know, there's no punishment of the grave, and what makes you believe that, and the concept of khabar ahad, can something yani, from your aqidah be established? So do we really need to believe in Adab al-Qabr? And obviously... It's become a slogan for those kind of folks, but behind it, there's a serious point. There's a serious point, and that is, is that, is it possible for a basic Muslim, like what would happen if a Muslim was to walk in, new guy, and says, I don't believe in the punishment of the grave? Do we come down upon that person the same way if he says, I do not believe that Muhammad is the last prophet? You know what I'm trying to say? Both are points of aqidah, both are to do with the ghayb as such, okay? One is an act of kufr, one is even an act of apostasy, whatever. The scholars will not say the same for saying that about Adab al-Qabr, even though it is, of course, very, very serious. We're going to say it's serious because we're going to prove that it is from the book and the sunnah. It is not some kind of made-up idea or some kind of theory or difference of opinion. It is something which is uh, real. Temugia? Yes, Temugia.
Right, so um, let's try and uh, the evidence for it. Yeah, here we go. Right, so what is the evidence for it? The first is the clear Sunnah. The Prophet said, "Istaizu billahi min azab al-qabr." Seek refuge with Allah from the punishment of the grave. Istaizu billahi min azab al-qabr. Seek refuge with Allah from the punishment of the grave. Istaizu billahi min azab al-qabr. Seek refuge of Allah from the punishment of the grave. He mentioned this three times. The hadith is the same one we mentioned before. Hadith narrated by Abu Dawood, Imam Ahmed. Abu Dawood reference to 4753. The hadith is Sahih. And there's no doubt about it. Okay, so that is the, that's the end of the story. Okay, it's clear, it's established, and so on. The second source of evidence is interesting, something we've not used very much. What is that? What is that going to be? Something we've not used very much. Not had the pleasure of using very much. What is that going to be? Source. Yeah, source. Ijma'ah. Ijma'ah. Good. Well done. This, there is a complete consensus of all of the Muslims, <coughs> the early and the latter, the early scholars and the latter, the Salaf and the companions. A complete and utter unanimity consensus that there is the reality known as the punishment of the grave. And the third is, and this is why I like Yanwa Shaykh Adrian says, the al Quran, the apparent meaning of the Quran, because it's not easy to be able to uh, uh, indicate this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, Surah Ghafir, verse 46, translated, this basically indicates. They will be brought before uh, the fire, anar. يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا They'll be presented to the fire. غُدُوًا وَعَشِيَّةً Morning and evening. And on the day that the hour comes, it will be said to them, O followers of Fir'aun, taste its, uh, enter you into the worst of torment. Now, what this basically indicates is that there's a difference? Uh, there's a difference between the fire, and uh, which has been indicated that when the when the, the day of judgment will then come, yeah, but which is not mentioned in the ayah. What's being mentioned is that they are being presented in front of the fire day and night until the day of judgment occurs. So how's that possible? If the fire is afterwards, uh, fire is obviously after the day of judgment. So it's clear, and all of the companions, they interpret this verse in the same way. So the Ghafir verse 42, that this is clearly referring yani, to the, uh, 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 the punishment of the grave itself and the burning in the punishment uh, itself. Uh, Allah, Allah, and also some of the scholars said that Surah uh, Al-Am, Al-Am, verse 93, and today you will be punished yani, with a humiliating punishment because of what you used to say about Allah without just cause and about the verses that you used to deny and be arrogant from. They said that the scholars agreed that this al-yawm means today, means yani, not that day, yani, not the day, but it means today which means that it starts as soon as someone passes and they enter into the barzakh or the qabr itself. And that is the... Uh, uh, and Sheikh Uthameen, he makes this point, which I think is important. This is what I like. This is why I teach my students something very important. Ahlul Sunnah are all about academic honesty. We are never worried about whether our evidence is strong or not, whether it's for us or not. We put it forward as it is. If it's for us, it's for us. If it's against us, we'll still go with it as well. He says that this is what the Quran apparently suggests. It's almost as if saying it's directly clear. But he himself is indicating it's not obviously directly clear. It doesn't say Adab al-Qabr. It does indicate morning and night the fire is presented. It's not the most clear presentations, but once you add it all up and put it all together, it's like a clear evidence and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Um, I think we'll leave it at that, all right? Because the next of the points are to do with it. Is it a punishment of the spirit, the soul, or is it something upon the body 
itself. It's a shame because actually I wanted to say, I will say now and we'll open the new year with it as well, that when I spoke about Sheikh Uthameen and how it's important to respect him when he speaks, here he's going to argue, he actually argues that it is physical punishment on the body because he's, his friends have seen effects on the body. Now that is a difficult argument to accept as a, as a legal argument, to say that people have seen you know, the marks of punishment upon certain people and you've seen other people when you open their graves and you see them very happy and seem, you know, uh, but he's honest enough to say that. And he goes that this is what folks have told me. I've not seen myself. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'll accept it. And he speaks openly like that. But that's what we're going to, inshallah, uh, open up next year. So, folks, Jazakumullah Khair. That's obviously, as I said, the last lesson. I want to thank everybody online, of course. Ayaz Jazakumullah Khair and everybody else who attends regularly and studies properly, unlike these packets in front of me, who have never seen any of a portal or a set of notes in their lives other than Jiva before she starts complaining. And, um, yeah, everybody uh, has put their effort in. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know as an audit how much we covered this year. Was it a slow year or was it a quick year? Was it a slow year? Don't say that. We saying that for? Well, it was a great year, Lala. So uh, you know that's it now for the next uh, four months. Obviously Ramadan, a break, and then for the Hajj season as well. And uh, there's lots of announcements. Okay, for the revision, for the exam, and for the new year. All of that is on the portal, okay? Logicalprogression.org. Everybody online, keep an eye on your emails. Keep an eye on your, your uh, announcements on there. And maybe even on the, the Facebook channels as well. For Zakmullah we're going to pray. We're going to uh, broadcast our final prayer now, uh, Sheikh uh, Abdul Ghaffar, uh, before uh, we close. And Allah subhanahu wa knows best. Wa subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu alaik. Wa jazakumullah khair. Akramakumullah. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Get that microphone to Sheikh.